Hello and welcome to the Mindset Coach Podcast, the show where coaches and coaches-to-be tune in to learn how to integrate mindset coaching tools and neuroscience-based techniques into their practice and grow and scale a coaching business they love. I'm your host, Lara Young, founder of the Mindset Coach Academy, author of 52 Adventures to Change Your Life, award-winning business owner, coach and coach trainer. Tune into this podcast each Friday, free on all the podcasting apps, and click to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, mindset is everything. Hello. In this week's episode, we are going to be exploring your coaching toolkit and how do you develop your coaching toolkit so that you are actually using tools and techniques that are appropriate at each stage of the coaching relationship that you have with your client. I'm going to take you through each of these stages with a recommendation for the tools, the skills, the tasks that you're going to need to accomplish at each and every step. And so that you can start to identify perhaps where those gaps are and also get some ideas for how you are going to work with your client right from onboarding right through to them rolling off the coaching relationship with you. So the very first thing, of course, that you need to have in your coaching toolkit is a process and tools that lead you to onboarding your client. Now, this actually starts, of course, before you onboard your client. So how are you attracting your clients to you? How are you actually getting them into your coaching practice, getting them into your world, getting them to know about who you are, who you serve, and how you can help them? And of course, that starts really with your visibility, with your messaging, whether that's on social media, or whether it's through content creation, such as through a blog or a podcast like this one, you want to identify, you know, those areas where you are using to actually be able to attract those clients. So your marketing strategy, et cetera. Now we covered that off in a previous episode from episode one, we look at your messaging and attracting your ideal clients. So I'm not going to go too much into that here. But what I am going to let you know is that when you are doing that, you know, part of that attraction strategy is having a way for your clients to contact you and to engage with you. Now, that may be simply through booking a call with you. So you're going to need a calendar system for them to be able to do that. So something like Calendly or Acuity. You're also going to need to be able to use a system like Zoom, for example, which enables you to have a call with your client, be able to see them face to face and engage in that conversation with them. You may also, as part of that process as well, have a lead magnet, so something that they can download or access, whether that's a brief video training, whether that's a checklist that you've provided. And again, we go into this in more detail in a prior episode. What you really want to be doing is looking at, once they've downloaded that content that you've provided, once they've experienced that lead magnet, whether it's, as I said, a checklist or a video training or a webinar, then you actually want to, from there, have a series, a nurture sequence in your emails that further gives your clients information, insight, and builds that real connection and relationship with you so that they do know that you're the person to help them. And you're, you know, you're giving advice, you're giving ideas, and you're really following up with them and nurturing and building that relationship. So in order to do that, of course, you're going to need a CRM system, which is a term that basically means that you're going to need a way to capture their emails and then to be able to email them as a list. 
So there are many options for this. There are many email providers that enable you to do this. So for example, MailChimp, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, there are a range of different tools available, all with varying levels of complexity. And it's a matter for you to investigate and choose the one that is best going to suit your business. Now, some of those have landing pages included. A landing page is where your client, as the name suggests, lands once they click on a link that you've provided. And then that provides them in turn with information about the lead magnet, about your, maybe it's where they download the download, maybe it's where they start watching that video. So you're going to need something that is going to be able to then enable them to input their email address, something like lead pages. You can do it on your website. And a lot of these CRM systems or email systems have landing pages integrated. So you can use those. And there are plenty of tools available. The ones I've mentioned so far, you can do a quick YouTube search on for training on any of those. And all of those systems all have training inherent in them, included with them when you purchase them, when you sign up to use. And many of them also have a free trial period as well. A lot of you listening will already have your CRM set up. You'll already have your lead magnet or your opt-in for clients to start to get to know you or prospective clients to start to get to know you. So once they do become a client. So once you either have a discovery call with you, which is an opportunity for you to get to know each other and and have that conversation, then what you're going to want to do is to create a really strong rapport from the very, very beginning when they sign up with you as well. So I like to have a couple of different types of contracts with my clients. So, you know, there's a standard kind of legal contract, which outlines the coaching relationship outlines all the legal terms around payment and also what happens if someone misses a session, et cetera. So you've got that side of it. You've also then got, and what I like to send out is another contract. And it's sort of like the relationship contract between you and your client. It's setting out what your expectations are of them and what they can expect back from you, that they are going to be giving you know, their 100% commitment to it, that they're all in, that they really do want to do the work and achieve those goals. And it's a lovely way to actually set up that relationship and they sign it and you sign it. And it's this dual commitment to working together in a way that is really about helping them to achieve the goals that they've established for themselves or the goals that you will work with them to establish. And so doing that is, you know, it's really powerful because it signs like a psychological contract with you and the client as well. Other things that you can be doing at that inboarding stage things like sending them perhaps a welcome gift, you know, sending them something small that is related to the work that you're doing. You know, there are a lot of fantastic things out there on the market. You know, you can send out journals, for example, if your clients are going to be journaling during their work with you, you could send out some cards like the You Are Enough coaching cards that our alumni and one of our faculty members, Nicholas Semple, has created send out any kind of thing that is related, like a book that's related to the work that you're doing, just so that it really starts that relationship off in a lovely way. I know some people send candles, for example, and I send a welcome kit here to my Mindset Coach certification students as well, which includes a number of different things that are going to help them with their training and with our work together. It's just a nice thing to do, right? And it just really enhances that relationship that you have with your client. The other thing that you're going to want to do as well at onboarding is make sure that your client has all the information that they need about when your calls with them are. So 
If you have a booking system, then I recommend that you send them the, the link to be able to book in all their sessions with you. That then enables you to manage your diary and for them to know exactly when it is that you're going to be working together. Let them know any pre-work as well that you want them to do as well. And that may be in the form of a tracker, for example. So a lot of times coaches will use things like trackers for depending on the type of field that you're in. So if you're a nutritionist, for example, you may want your clients to fill out a food tracker for seven days before they start working with you so that you've got a clear idea of the food that they're taking in so that you can better diagnose some of those protocols. You may want your client to complete another type of tracker, like a tracker for social media. So if you're a social media coach, you may want them to actually gather all of that information and track what they're doing on social in the seven days or 21 days before you start working together. You may also want them to provide you with the insights from social media as well. So what's happening there so that you get a clear picture of where they're at. If you're a business coach, you may want them to do some preparation for you around sending you the links to their website. You might want to know more about the packages. You might want to know more detail, for example, about the financial standing of their business. You might want to know more information about what's happening at the moment in terms of their sales, which packages are selling, which aren't selling. So depending on what type of coach you are, there are a lot of different things that you can do as part of this onboarding process to get your clients straight away following your instructions. And by that, I mean, if you ask them to complete a task to prepare something in advance of your first coaching session and they do it, then you know that that's a reinforcement then of the commitment that they have to working with you. None of the tasks we ask our clients to do are ever arbitrary. They're always designed with a specific purpose in mind. So when you do this, make sure that as you're onboarding, you're gathering information or having your clients do tasks that are really relevant to the work that you're going to be doing together. And that really form that foundation, that habit building foundation of your client paying attention to those things, if those things are really relevant and important in terms of the goal that they come to you to want to achieve. So the next thing, which is very closely aligned to your onboarding is your diagnostic phase. Now, the diagnostic phase can comprise some of the elements I've just spoken about. So you want to know where your client is now. That's the diagnostic phase, essentially. We want to know where our client is now. We want to know where they want to go to. And we really want to have a clear snapshot of where that is. So part of that diagnostic phase could be, as I say, getting all the financial data, receiving information about a food diary, what they've been eating. Maybe looking at their social media. It may be looking at what they've done so far. If you're a dating coach, what have they done so far in terms of perhaps signing up for dating apps? How many dates have they gone in? Those kind of things. So we really want to know that. We also want to know, you know, what do they think's working? Maybe what do they think is not working at the moment? So we have a clear idea from them. Now, the mindset dimensions report, which is our amazing diagnostic tool. It's a diagnostic tool that we have created specifically for coaches, therapists, and psychologists is really designed to measure the seven elements of mindset. And so you can use a diagnostic tool like Mindset Dimensions, which measures their behavioral preferences. So behavioral preferences, of course, are about how someone prefers to behave on the behavioral continuum 
in everyday life. And so some examples of that are introversion and extroversion. Does your client have more introverted tendencies or extroverted tendencies? Because you know what? Coaching someone who is more introverted and someone who's more extroverted is a completely different ballgame. You might want to know whether or not they're more detail-oriented, so they need a lot more information before they start a task, or whether they're big picture. They just need to know the general information. So Mindset Dimensions Report measures all of those behaviours on the behavioural continuum. There are 20 different ones that we measure, all based on Jungian psychology. You may be using something to measure behaviour like a DISC report or a Myers-Briggs profile or Hogan. Any one of those diagnostic tests that measures behavioral preference, all based on Jungian theory, you may be using any one of those as part of your diagnostic phase. Where the Mindset Dimensions report goes into a lot more detail is that we actually measure things like your client's values, which is another important part of the diagnostic phase. We want to know your client's values because we want to know what is it that is important to them? What is it that is driving their behavior? Are their values in alignment? If you are a health coach and your client tells you that health is really important to them, it's one of their top values, but their behavior isn't evidencing that, we know something's out of alignment. We know something's missing, whether that is that they're not equipped, they don't have the skills, maybe they don't have the habits, maybe they don't have the belief that they can do it. So value elicitation is a really important part of the diagnostic phase. And you can do this using, of course, mindset dimensions, or you can also do it as a conversational process around values. And in the Mindset Coach Academy, we have a very deep values elicitation process and values work. The next thing that you need to do at the diagnostic phase is really to understand things like your client's beliefs. What do they believe about themselves and the world around them? And again, mindset dimensions measures this. You want to know how are they representing the world to themselves? How are they processing information? How are they taking information in? What are they paying attention to? And how do they represent the world? So are they someone who experiences the world more visually, auditorially, kinesthetically, auditory-digitally? How do they actually prefer to take information in? Because once you know this, you can be flexible in your communication so that you're communicating and talking, literally talking, your client's language. So that if you have someone, for example, who has a more visual bias in their way that they represent and experience the world, you would use more visual predicates such as, you know, show, see, clarity, clear, those kind of words, so that you're really tuning into their preference when it comes to communicating and you're much more likely to be able to communicate really effectively with them. And I'm going to do another session all on that, on looking at people's different communication style and how we can adapt as coaches so that our communication really resonates well with our clients. Of course, Mindset Dimensions Report also measures those things. As I say, it measures the seven dimensions of mindset. So you may want to include that as part of your diagnostic phase because it does provide this incredible snapshot as to where your client is. There are other things that you can do at the diagnostic phase as well. You can also do, perhaps you've got your own kind of questionnaire that you create. Perhaps it's a type form that you use or a Google document, a Google form, just so that you're gathering information that is relevant and pertinent to the work that you're going to be doing with your client. So that you've got all that in front of you and you're not just going in blind into the coaching sessions, that you have information 
to hand. It's really going to help you and your client, let's face it, in completing these diagnostic tools, your client's getting a whole lot of insight as well so that you really want to be able to have that information so that you can really shape that coaching session and you know where you need to start looking really and need to start working. Of course, diagnostic phase is also supplemented by conversational diagnostics as well through a range of tools that we use to identify the client's patterns. And you can also use tools like running a detailed personal history with your client, running other kinds of questionnaires that we teach in the Mindset Coach Certification, just to really know, well, where is your client now? What is happening in their life? What are the symptoms? What are the habits that they've got? What is going on for them? Diagnostic phase, so important. The next phase, of course, is once you know where they are, then you actually want to move into goal setting. What tools do you use for goal setting? And there are so many different ones. There's normative coaching models like the GROW model, for example. There's one that we use, which is very robust in the Mindset Coach Certification Program, because what you really want to do is you want to know what your client actually desires. What do they want in their life, in their business? And you really want to orient them, of course, towards what they do want rather than away from what they don't want. And we talked about this in our last episode of season two of the podcast. The important thing here is, of course, that you are able to set goals with your clients in a way that is really meaningful for them, in a way that lights them up, in a way that is a full sensory experience. So it's not just asking what you want. It is also about asking them to talk about when do they want it, with whom do they want it, why do they want it, how do they want it, and get into real granularity and specificity about that goal. We want to put some metrics in place, of course, as well. We really want to dive deep with our clients. We want to know when they think about the achievement of that goal, when they immerse themselves into that time and place and space when they've achieved the goal, what is it that they're seeing? What are they hearing? What are they saying to themselves? How are they feeling about it? We want to have a full sensory experience. We want our clients to have a full sensory experience of the goal. We want to be able to ask sufficient questions so that we know when we immerse ourselves in it ourselves, when we visualize, when we imagine with our clients the achievement of that goal, we're super, super clear about exactly what it is, how it's going to benefit our client, really to understand their motivation for achieving the goal. Why is it that they want it? And what will it enable them to do, be, or have in their life? So you need a robust goal-setting process. And again, we have one that we teach at the Mindset Coach Academy you're probably, if you're a coach already, using one. Make sure as well that you are writing down those goals with your clients. Make sure that you are, if you're documenting things, send it back to them and have that top of mind. Ask them to write down the goal as well. Writing goals down, as we know, is just so powerful and taking them to the next level. So moving them from a two-dimensional goal where it's written down on paper to 3D, where you've got an immersion into that goal, the achievement of that goal is just so, so powerful. When we work with goal setting, we're also wanting to work with visualization, really doing some future you work around helping our clients to remind themselves on a regular basis of the goal, to immerse themselves in it, to put them into that space as though it's already happened. And we can do this by recording a meditation, a visualization for them, giving them a task around, you know, going to the time and the place when they have achieved that goal. And again, we've got a lot of techniques for that in our overall program. 
Now, the next thing that you want to be able to have tools to do is to identify conscious and unconscious blocks. Now, you really need to know with your clients what is preventing them from achieving their goal. And there are two types of blocks. There's the blocks that your clients will know about or the conscious blocks that they can describe for you. And there are the unconscious blocks or the subconscious blocks, the blocks that are out of conscious awareness for them. Now, these blocks, these unconscious blocks are typically things like their beliefs, values being out of alignment, their thoughts about possibility and potentiality. They can also be patterns that they're running. So it could be that they typically get so far towards success and then ping back. It may be that the strategy isn't working. So they're running a habit to do something and they keep trying and trying and trying by running the same old thing again and again, and it's just not working. So you really need a toolkit that's going to enable you to identify those things that your client is aware of that's blocking them. And often this comes down to sometimes some very seemingly simple things like time. I don't have enough time to do it, or I don't have enough money to do it, or I don't have enough energy to do it, or I don't have enough support to do it, or I don't have enough commitment to do it. I don't have enough clarity about how to do it. I don't have the skills to do it. I don't have a support network, whatever it might be. There are a lot of blocks that your client can come up with in terms of the reason that they're not achieving the goal that they desire. Now, it's your job as a coach to understand what the client perceives is holding them back and to help them to remove those obstacles. Now, often those conscious obstacles that our client will say to us, will let us know about, they're not actually the real obstacle. And a lot of the obstacles are running in that unconscious space, in the unconscious mind. It could be an emotional block. It could be a block around beliefs and what we believe we're capable of. It could be a limiting decision that they've made, or it could be something that they're so ingrained and so wired into their neurology in terms of a habit and a pattern that they don't recognize it anymore. And so what you really want to be able to do is to use strategies and techniques where you're identifying the conscious and unconscious blocks and bringing them into conscious awareness with the client so then that you can start to change them. There are some powerful models that we teach you for doing this and perhaps you're already working with this with your clients already and that's wonderful. I mean, the Mindset Dimensions Report does help because it identifies and shows and highlights all of those things in terms of, you know, certainly so that you can see and your client can see, for example, if there's a misalignment of value or their belief about their capability isn't where it should be or needs to be in order for them to achieve the goal. It may be, for example, that they're regularly experiencing negative emotion like anger or fear or frustration or procrastination, which is something else that the report measures. So what you really want to be able to do is to be able to identify these things and have tools and processes to identify these things within your clients. Because then the next step, of course, is once you and your client know what is preventing them or blocking them from achieving the success they desire or from achieving a goal, is that what you want to do is you want to create change. Now, there are a lot of processes that you can use to create change with your client. There are a lot on the conscious level. So tasking, very, very powerful from a conscious level perspective. You know, it could be giving your client a task that is going to move them forward in terms of getting to where they want to be. So for example, if they want to be more visible, one of the tasks you may give your client 
is that they are going to research 12 blog topics, for example, if they've decided one of the routes to visibility is to, you know, have that content getting out there. But also what you want to have is a range of different unconscious change tools as well. So we use, for example, things like timeline therapy, which is very, very powerful for removing negative emotions or unresourceful emotions, emotions that keep our clients peeing back in the past, living in the past. We use that to take away any limiting decisions that the client has made, often very, very early on, either in the imprint stage or before, so that those decisions, so I can't, typically is the phrase that precedes a limiting decision. So we work with them to identify those and then remove them because limiting decisions precede all limiting beliefs. So we use timeline therapy to do that. It is an incredibly powerful technique because let's face it, if you make a decision, say for example, you were Angel Gabriel in the school play when you were five years old and you fell off the stage, people laughed, then that stays with you. And the unconscious mind is just like a five or six-year-old child. It takes everything literally. And at that time, you could have made a decision, right, well, I'm not doing that again. I can't be visible. I can't be, you know, I can't get up in public again because people will laugh at me. And you set up in your mind this relationship between being visible, being on stage, you're putting yourself out there and people laughing at you and failure. And so what happens in that instance is that every time you then in the future want to go and do that, maybe you want to go on the debate team when you're at school or be in another school play, or maybe you want to put yourself forward for a promotion when you first start work, or maybe you want to be able to, you know, go and public speak or speak up in a meeting. What happens is the unconscious mind goes, "Uh uh-uh, remember what happened, Angel Gabriel, we're not doing that. And so the inner saboteur comes out. And then prevents you from being really effective where you do want to actually be articulate and communicate effectively and be seen. But there's this hidden block, this little saboteur that's jumping up and down and saying, no, we're not going to do it. And so from that perspective, when we help our clients to identify those limiting decisions and those limiting beliefs that then support that limiting decision and then remove them, that is incredibly powerful. And we do that through timeline therapy. We can also do it through other belief change techniques. We can also use hypnosis and hypnotherapy to reinforce that change as well, along with conscious level tasking. So a lot of people though, aren't actually aware at the outset of our coaching relationship with them, what those beliefs are. And so having that combination of a really solid diagnostic and then the identification process for those limiting beliefs and limiting decisions and sabotaging behaviors is really powerful. And of course, beliefs are only one element that, you know, our clients can sabotage themselves through. They can also sabotage themselves because they have emotional reactions that are above and beyond what perhaps is required in certain situations. So someone, for example, may be in a relationship and they have a real a real tendency to become jealous in relationships. And then that begins this cycle for them that they repeat over and over where something will happen, a text will come in for their partner, the partner will read it, and they'll be thinking, who's texted? What's happened? And then they may then start to become suspicious, feelings of jealousy creep in. They might want to go and start reading their partner's text messages 
And then the downward spiral happens from there and yet another relationship ends because of those unwarranted, unnecessary and unhelpful, unresourceful emotions of jealousy. Or someone, for example, may be going for a promotion. They may be in middle management and they want to be promoted in their organization, but they have angry outbursts or they get frustrated and display that in a meeting. And then their managers are worried about promoting them because of their lack of emotional intelligence or their lack of emotional regulation in the workplace. So there's so many things that can actually derail our client or block our client. Habits can block our client as well. And so understanding the strategy for how our clients do things is very, very powerful. Because once we know what these books are, of course, we can go and change them. And And we do that, as I say, through a range of different techniques. And it's really empowering for our clients when they know what the block is and then they can remove it and then see the results of that and see the direct correlation between no longer behaving in that way, no longer thinking in that way, no longer having those emotional outbursts and reactions in the way that they had before, no longer having those habits rewiring those beliefs and giving them new options is just so powerful when it comes to them achieving what it is that they desire. So the next thing we want to actually work with and have tools for is around energy transformation. Now, energy is really powerful. It's powerful because our emotions and the energy that we have and that we give off is really either repulsive, repellent, or it attracts people. And so being aware of and being conscious of your energy in any given moment, so your vibration, what is it that you're putting out there? What are you attracting and what are you repelling is very, very key when it comes to helping our clients to achieve their goals. No one, for example, or I can't think of anyone who starts a day feeling apathetic like they need a duvet day from that space, from that emotion, you know, from boredom, apathy, they don't take action, right? Without some kind of shift or change in energy, in thinking, in an emotion, ultimately, they don't do anything with that emotion. And so what we want to do with our clients is have tools to be able to help them to shift the energy, to change the emotion. Now we use a range of processes, including emotional freedom technique, EFT, We also use some processes from neurolinguistic programming, like anchoring, for example, which is based on the stimulus response relationship to change the emotional state, to change the emotional state in our clients so that they can then be in that space where their energy shifts and their perspective shifts, their physiology shifts, everything changes so that they can get on and do what it is that they want to do. Because ultimately, we as human beings operate most effectively when we're in the flow state. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, one of the founding fathers of positive psychology, created the flow process, which is you know, really when we think about it, have you ever had that time when you've been doing something and you've been so immersed in it that you just don't notice time passing at all because you're so engrossed and you're really enjoying what you're doing? Well, that's based on the fact that When you have a high level of challenge and a high enough level of skill to meet that challenge, you are totally absorbed in the task at hand and time just flies. Time goes by really quickly. You're enjoying it, right? You're having fun. And so 
what we need to be in order to get to that place is we need to have sufficient levels of motivation and inspiration and excitement so that we are able to take action. I don't know about you, but it's so much easier for me when I'm in that zone, in the flow zone, to be able to get things done. And so having tools and techniques for your clients that are going to help them to shift their energy, shift their emotional state from procrastination, for example, to motivation is so, so powerful. I teach you how to do this in the Mindset Coach Certification Program. And it is really, really useful when you think about it that there's even just a direct correlation between our physiology and our emotional state as well. So helping your clients to recognize that you know, you feel more motivated even when you sit up with your shoulders back and your chest out. That's the position of being, of feeling motivated and empowered. Pretty hard to feel motivated, I find, if I'm kind of like hunched over in my chair looking down. And we can replicate any emotion. We can replicate the physiology, certainly, of any emotion and then use tools like anchoring to really embed that and to transform the way that we feel in any given moment so that it is more aligned with the emotion that we need to feel in order to be able to achieve our goals because we want to be in those really resourceful states of taking action and getting things done. So the next thing that you need to have is a change installation toolkit. So how are you actually installing change within your clients? So this may be through repetition. So it may be through uh, habit formation. It may be through hypnotherapy, for example, that you give your clients a script to listen to for 21 days or 28 days, which in itself is habit forming. The idea is, of course, that you're getting people to take action. So action taking is what really helps to install that change once you've used some of those therapeutic interventions that I've mentioned, like NLP, timeline therapy, hypnotherapy, EFT, et cetera. You really want to be able to help your client to recognize that things are different. A trigger might happen, for example, and they won't run the old behavior because they have created a change. Working with you, there's been a change that's been created in the way that they respond to that trigger or the way that they previously responded, which wasn't helpful at all. So helping your clients to install that change and recognize that change is incredibly powerful. And perhaps you're already doing that. I mean, Journaling is actually a great process for your clients to undertake right throughout the coaching relationship because they can then witness firsthand by reading back what that transformation has been. How are things different since they started working with you? Change installation can also happen by providing our clients and helping our clients to notice the evidence around them that things are changing. So it goes back to the very early stages where you've onboarded and used the diagnostic tools with your clients that you can go back and actually look at the eating plan. You can look at those financials in the business. You can look at those social media metrics. You can look at how many dates they've been going on, et cetera. So if you set up that in the first place, then that's a great point of reference. It's a great piece in time that you can go back to and compare and contrast what the difference is. Now, sometimes those differences, of course, are very, they can be intangible as to what's different. So, you know, I don't know what's changed, but things have changed. And we often hear that, right? I'm doing things differently. These processes work because I no longer feel that way, or I no longer act that way or respond that way. 
I am responding and acting and emoting in a way that is really resourceful and powerful and productive in terms of me getting to where I want to be. And so finding, helping your clients to recognize the evidence for change is very powerful here as well. And it can be as simple as asking them to write down what is different, what has changed. And the final thing that you're going to need in your toolkit, so we've talked about onboarding, diagnostic tools, goal setting, identifying conscious and unconscious blocks, making conscious and unconscious change, energy transformation and change installation is tasking and accountability. Now, tasking and accountability are very, very powerful. Tasking is something that is done with design. Often I've heard of coaches who just give a task at the end of the session and don't follow up on it, or it's not really aligned to what they've been doing in that session or aligned to the ultimate goal of the coaching program. What I want you to think about as you're designing your coaching packages and as you're you know, creating whether that's a group package or one-to-one or a retreat is what are you asking your clients to do and what's the reason why? What behavior is it going to reinforce? What behavior is it going to develop? What thinking is it going to change? What thinking is it going to develop? So I want you to really think about that and structure your tasking so that it paces your client's experience, so that it further enhances their skill development as they go through that coaching process. Because when we're coaching someone, we're really helping them to create change and we're also helping them to be equipped and feel skillful and to feel a sense of self-efficacy and confidence that they're capable of moving to the next stage. So I want you to pace out what you think your client will be experiencing at each stage of that coaching relationship. And yes, it's mind reading. The more clients you serve, the more you can start to recognize, look at this part of the coaching process. I anticipate my client's going to be here or they'll be at the next stage or you know, they'll be doing this or thinking this. And then once you know that, you can actually put in tasks that are really going to support your clients and anticipate, predict what's going to be going on for them so that you can really help them to, first of all, you recognize that, but then you help them to move forward. So whether those tasks are practical tasks like decluttering or journaling or listening to or, you know, gathering information, doing some research related to the coaching relationship, or whether they are tasks like listening to a hypnotherapy track, you know, noting down how their behaviors have shifted whether they are tasks about reflection, for example, tasks to do with their energy, whatever it is, you want every task to have meaning and alignment with what the ultimate goal is and to help your clients to feel every step of the way that they are building confidence and competence in themselves and keeping your clients and helping them to be accountable as well. If you've set up that contract, that psychological contract at the start of the coaching relationship, you can refer back to that. Keeping your client accountable is also about setting up processes in the coaching relationship that if they aren't prepared for the session, then they need to reschedule. You know, they need to prepare. They need to have done the task before the next session. It may be that you want to introduce something like Voxer or messaging or a process whereby your client might WhatsApp you if they're struggling with any given task rather than coming to a session and saying, I wasn't quite sure how to do it, so I haven't done it. We always want to be able to keep our client accountable. Have that relationship, that contract with each other that I will do as I say I am going to do. And so you can help your client keep accountable by even 
you know, emailing them after each session and saying, here are the key points and here's what, you know, you've agreed to do between now and our next session. You could have a workbook that you work through. And so they know all the time where you're at in terms of that relationship. And of course, this is dependent on the sort of coaching that you do on your niche and your ideal client. Having those little touch points that don't take a lot of time can really help to motivate and keep your client on track and accountable in terms of the coaching process so that they're achieving what it is that they desire. So have a think. What have you got at the moment in terms of onboarding tools, diagnostic tools, goal-setting tools, like being able to identify those conscious and unconscious blocks, the conscious and unconscious change processes, energy transformation, change, installation, and tasking and accountability? I'd love to hear from you what you're currently using. And of course, you can take a look at everything we cover in the Mindset Coach Certification Program as well. And also have a look at the Mindset Dimensions Report, which is Of course, our tailor-made mindset diagnostic tool, which is just so powerful when it comes to understanding what makes your clients tick right from the outset and provides a great foundation for you to go and work with your clients across all of those different areas in a really powerful and meaningful and transformational way. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So this week is our fourth adventure from 52 Adventures to Change Your Life. And this week's adventure is to phone a friend. That may sound really, really simple, but in this day and age, we tend to text rather than ring. And it's interesting, isn't it? How, I don't know about you, but how, less frequently we actually pick up the phone to call someone these days than we did before. It's so easy to send an email. It's so easy to send a text or a WhatsApp message rather than ringing and having the conversation. You know, I kind of miss it. I miss that. And so I'm making certainly more of an effort to get on the phone, you know, to have a Zoom call with somebody or to, you know, simply ring them instead of texting. So the challenge this week, I don't know if you've found that as well, but The challenge this week for you is that I want you to pick three separate occasions upon which someone's messaged you, like they've texted you or they've emailed you, and your automatic response would be just to text back or email back. I want you to choose three occasions where you're going to respond, not with the same type of message that they've sent you or using the same medium, whether that's email or messaging. I want you to pick up the phone. I want you to ring them. And that's three separate occasions. I want you to do that. So someone contacts you via WhatsApp or Messenger or email. If you've got their phone number, I want you to ring them and continue that conversation on the phone, in person, speaking voice to voice. And then the other thing I want you to do this week to fulfill this challenge is I want you to think of a friend that you haven't spoken to for a while and I want you to give them a call. I want you to have the enjoyment of that connection with that person and just let me know how it goes. These adventures, of course, are designed to help you to do things a little differently and reacquaint yourself and re-familiarize yourself with the things that you love to do and explore new things, new ways of thinking, being, and just enjoying a life and showing up in the world. I hope you're enjoying the adventures so far. We have got 52 of them. They're going to continue right throughout the year. And if you did want to, of course, you can also purchase the book and journal that goes with it. It's called 52 Adventures to Change Your Life. It's by me, Larry Young, and it is on Amazon. So you can head on over and get that copy 
there if you'd like to use that as a resource. It has a section each week that you fill out where you can make notes about what you did to fulfill the adventure, what you learned by it, and what you will change as a result. It's full of great stuff. And some people I find also do these things with their families as well. So if you have got you know a family that you want to spend more time with, these adventures are great to do as a family unit as well. So that's it for this week's episode. It's been a pleasure being here with you. And I look forward to joining you again next week for our next episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. Bye for now. Loved the Mindset Coach Podcast? Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and remember to leave a review.